0: Our scripture reading this evening comes from 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. Wisdom from the Spirit. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, we are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God Amen.
1: all right some of the more prominent terms uh, describing your spirituality and modernity uh, goes like this uh, I'm spiritual i'm but I'm not that religious or I'm spiritual but I'm not into God, Christianity, or any other flavor. But I'm spiritual. Uh, By those accounts, I I think, in that description, L.A. is a deeply spiritual place. Uh, It's far less rationalistic than New York City. Uh, L.A. values experience. It values things that... Exhilarate the spirit and the emotions, and thoughtfulness and the intersection with creativity. Uh, There was an interview with Brad Pitt. This was in uh, GQ, and so there was an interview with Brad Pitt, and he said this. It's in. I put the in your reflections there. He said, "I'd go to Christian revivals and be moved." by the Holy Spirit. And I'd go to rock concerts and feel the same fervor. Hmm. All right, it can seem like that, right? No, no one can really discriminate between what's called the Holy Spirit and a rock concert. Like the feeling. Um, no, no one can invalidate another person's spirituality if we don't know how to discriminate between the two. And so because of that, spirit, all spiritualities are kind of granted favored status with everyone. And you're not allowed to attach value to one spirituality over another type of spirituality. Um, And so modern convention, living in a modern city, is don't evaluate spirituality. Just call it spirituality, and let's move forward. Okay, ancient Corinth differs very little from that. Differs very, very little. Um, So whatever you can do to extract from a a cool physical experience, what you see, what you hear, what you, you know, what you dance to, whatever it is, whatever you can extract from that, call it spirituality, and you can be very religious in that spirituality. And that's the same in ancient Corinth. So uh, what we want to do is see that Paul writes into Corinth, and he's writing to us today. And he's going to he's say this pretty brash, bold statement. And it's this, is that actually we can know what true spirituality is. We can. That's, that's a pretty bold statement if you're, if you're talking about L.A. and Corinth. He said there is a true spirituality that does discriminate, that you can tell between two things. There is spiritual discrimination, and it can be evaluated. All right, so what I want to do is I want to center our time on what Adam read for us from the second chapter of First Corinthians, center, verses 6 through 16. We covered the first part, the first chapter last week. And this is the shape of tonight, um, is I want, to, I want to look at what is passable spirituality in Corinth, in L.A. And then I want to, I want to show like why that disappoints us. You can be any person, but I want to show that, like, why passable spirituality ultimately disappoints us, and then I want to talk about, like, how true spirituality, what that looks like, what Paul is talking about, what it looks like in a modern city. What would true spirituality look like? How can you spot it? How can you evaluate it? And then very briefly at the end, what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? All right, so let's jump in with that passable spirituality. So in uh, ancient Corinth, um, ancient Corinth was on this uh, basically an ancient bucket list for travelers. All right, It was a destination spot. I don't think this, don't think like ancient wonders of the world, but think of it like a, a very touristy, must-see place to visit, like Vegas or Amsterdam. Um, it was on all of these travel logs for the ancient world. And it shows up time and time again... Uh, just must see. So, uh, Corinth itself is it, it's very elite. There, there's, um, it's very well planned city. If, if you've ever been to Santa Barbara, you can, Santa Barbara is a clean, well planned city. Um, very similar to the, the layout, the conscientious layout. It's, uh, Uh, it's tidy, it's gorgeous, it's very erudite, it's cosmopolitan, highly educated, lots of pretty talkers. They value good rhetorical talking and speeches. Um, uh, A lot of classy people in Corinth. That is a pretty touristy place. But so here's the draw of Corinth. So that's nice, the tidiness, the beauty, the, the cosmopolitan smart people who talk pretty. But here's the draw for Corinth um, there's a marble path that leads. Uh, uh, Corinth is right on the coast and there's this marble path that goes up what it, I mean it'd be a mini mountain almost like Altadena or something where it goes up a, a glorified hill and there's this marble path that goes up there it's called the Acro Corinth and on the top of the Acro Corinth is a temple and it's a temple to Aphrodite erotic goddess of love okay there on the Acro Corinth and uh at its peak, you had a thousand prostitutes who worked at the Temple of Aphrodite. It's like the Costco of erotic love, okay? And um, it's considered this not only is this this tourist destination for Corinth, but it's considered like a very religious and spiritual event, okay? So uh, it, it's like the Mecca to erotic love. And you can be considered very spiritual by going to this must-see Corinth. Uh, the wealth generated in Corinth um, stands up to the adult entertainment industry we have in L.A., specifically San Fernando Valley. So uh, 90% of all uh, legal adult content is filmed in uh, San Fernando Valley. Um, that's, that's for the world, um, Corinth kind of stands up to that. Uh, and it, I don't know, who's the guy, uh, Ricardo um, uh, Montebellon? Is he the, I don't think he's Hawaii 5, but I think it's Fantasy Island. You can correct me afterwards. But, but um, he has this old commercial. It's a Chrysler commercial, and he goes, Make sure I will not appropriate and try to copy his accent, okay? Um, he says, Make sure you. <laughs> Make sure you get a Chrysler with fine Corinthian leather. It's a thing. And in the ancient world, Corinth is a thing, this this destination to erotic love. Let's go to Corinth and have a spiritual experience. Now, some of that makes sense. What I mean by that is if you are not into... A transcendent God, then it actually makes sense to extract something from a physical sensation or a physical experience. What are the big three? Sex, money, power, right? And make it into a religious experience. It actually makes a lot of sense. Voila, you have spirituality. Why does LA make such a why is there such a fervent push to hook up, tender, grinder, whatever it is? Why? Because if you're not into God, let's make that physical sensation, the stuff we're reaching for, let's reach for it. And maybe we'll find a connection that is, voila, a little bit spiritual. So it makes sense on a very rationalistic level. Okay, L.A. culture has its own thing. I have a, I had a ton of these, but I'm going to go quickly. Um, before I say this next part, I, I, I have to qualify it and say, I am so pro-mindfulness. Okay, <laughs> I have to qualify that before I tell you what I'm going to say. All right, but where no spirituality exists, one thing will be substituted for it. And so one thing that we have in L.A. is um, a mindfulness where... Um, you want to stop and you want to reflect and you want to think and you want to meditate and you want to breathe a little bit. You can even throw in some stretching on the side. I am pro that. I am so for that. I will do some of the mindfulness this next week and probably you will too, but it is often substituted for spirituality. Spirituality. Like, if you do that, then I am centered and I've found my peace and this is a spiritual event. Mindfulness is good, but you can change it into spirituality. That's an L.A. thing. Uh, Another one. This is an LA one. Is just simply by uh, questioning, ex- questioning exist like having an existential question can be equated with spirituality. Just the just the fact that you're questioning. It. So so you could say, um, uh, why am I here? What is the purpose? What am I living for? What is this? Does the universe even matter? Does my work matter? To, like just the, the just by questioning it, you can. It can be a substitute for spirituality. So the film that I often think of is uh, Garden State. And um, it's about these young, restless college kids, and they're trying to figure it out, where they're going, what, what are they going to go into, what's life all about, does it, all this materialism matter, like, wh- they're just trying to figure it out. And um, so this couple, they they, they they get linked together somehow, and they visit this junkyard, and it's in the rain, and it's kind of an exhilarating mini-adventure, like, what are we doing? This is crazy, it's raining, we're out here in this junkyard. And they look down in the middle of this junkyard, and this, this is this massive, 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 massive pit. In fact, the filmmakers purposely did something is that when you look down into this massive pit, it was just black and they saw no bottom. And purposely, it's this image of what Nietzsche's abyss. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so they ask this question and they look into the pit and they're like, it doesn't matter. But wasn't that a wild adventure? And they walk away invigorated and refreshed. And a guy I talked to after he watched this movie, he goes, that was spiritual movie. Like that's me. That's my friends. Like that gets it. That gets it. So no answers, but asking the question, coming up dry and saying, you know what? That's spirituality for me. Another movie. Um, Uh, uh, into the wild and here's the premise of Into the Wild. Kind of similar in a way is that this guy comes from an affluent background, affluent parents, um, lots of stuff, lots of money. And his parents want him to follow the program and get a good job and drive a nice car, find a you know a steady woman, settle down, have the kids, follow the program. Like we did when we sacrificed so much for you. We have all this stuff that follow the program. And so this guy rejects it and he gets a junky car instead of a great car. And he heads off on this epic road trip and he's heading to Alaska and he runs into all these misadventures and um, it's not much. It's it's humanity stripped down, man against the elements and there's beauty after beauty. Like he runs into these vistas and beautiful people, strange and eccentric but beautiful and beautiful vistas and he measures himself up against this incredible vista, these incredible um, powerful nature and, and he... He finds himself, right? He finds himself and he finds some love, authentic love, not based on materialism or your job. And he sees beautiful, beautiful vistas. Now, warning, the soundtrack is pretty great. (laughs) I really did like the soundtrack. So it kind of pulled me in. Uh, So warning to you, soundtrack was great. Maybe it was Eddie Vedder's voice, I'm not sure. Um, But a woman says to me after she sees this movie, she said, that is what my generation is longing for. She said, that is a spirituality I can understand. It's a very LA thing. Um, Why why does it disappoint us though? I'm going to submit to you that it ultimately disappoints us as spirituality. Here it is. If I'm going to derive something transcendent from something that is a physical experience only, what? Over time, you're like, well, how transcendent is it? It goes away, it gets destroyed, it fades, love fades, all that, like, how transcendent is it? if if, if we're only able to extract from physical sensation, even though they feel great, um, and and, and label them spirituality, uh, let me just tell you something. That's what Brad Pitt is actually getting at. Right? Um, The Holy Spirit feels like my emotions at a concert. So, so, Here's the logical um, therefore. Um, My chills and all of my spine tinglers equals spirituality. Right? That's what we're searching for. Give me something that brings me up with exhilaration, chills, spine tinglers, and I'm going to call it spirituality. And if that is the case, (laughs) Brad Pitt is right. If that's the case I choose rock and roll baby (laughs) like if that is the case I really do choose rock and roll I'm not going with the revivals (laughs) what the pastor said yes I choose rock and roll if that's the case if we're just pulling physical sensation and they're the same I choose rock and roll Um, But Paul and Brad Pitt are seeing the same things. So Paul says this in verse 9 and 10. Um, He says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So when we extract only the physical sensations from all these beautiful things, vistas, right? Um, If it's from music and mindfulness and hookups and vistas, Paul says it shows that our imagination is stunted. Like we can't imagine anything more than mindfulness, music, hookups, and vistas. Like we can't get beyond that. But we can't get beyond it. And so this is what Paul is saying is true spirituality cannot possibly, or true spirituality can see the goodness of God and the goodies of God that go beyond physical sensation. Let me repeat that again. Um, True spirituality can imagine the goodness of God and the goodies of God that go beyond music, mindfulness, hookups, and beautiful vistas. And that's what we're longing for. And that's way beyond mere tingly feelings way beyond. Okay. If this is starting to sound like mumbo jumbo, let me show you how it's reasonable. And it's how most of us live our lives anyway. Um, Let me show you this. Uh, This idea is Paul's. He says this, um, for the spirit searches everything. The spirit searches everything and the spirit searches even the depths of God. Okay, he goes on. For he knows, um, that, talking about the spirit, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. All right, let me paraphrase it for you. Three, th- three, three sentences here. Okay, only the Holy Spirit knows all of God. That's one. Two, humans can't figure out God all by themselves. That's two. Three, we have to have God's spirit to understand God. I hope that's a reasonable, logical flow for you. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. But um, I think we know this. That seems pretty heady. It even seems like, hey, that's really biblical solid stuff, man. You're throwing down. Okay, I think we know this already in a lesser way. Um, uh, My my daughter's taking the second year of calculus right now. And um, uh, she she knows the calc. Um, I do not know the calc. Um, I so much do not know the calc. I don't. Um, In fact, you could slip in weird symbols from a Ukrainian keyboard and I would think that it was the calc. Okay? I'm just, I'm very, very different. Uh, My daughter has the spirit of the calc. Okay? And when she talks with other calculus whizzes, this blows my mind. They understand each other. What? <laughs> they understand each other. And I'm on the sideline forming up a puddle of drool in the corner of my mouth. I've got popcorn crumbs on my t-shirt. I'm like scratching myself. And they understand each other. Why? Why? because I do not have the spirit of the calc. I don't. Um, you may have heard this phrase. It's a little, uh, my mom uses this phrase, so maybe, maybe it's like Anne of Green Gables-esque, but we, we get it. You meet someone, and my mom would say, if they're vibing on the same fabric, in the same plane, You know, where they, she says, um, I found a kindred spirit right? Um, What is she saying? Oh, they got to have the same thing. And I had the same thing. And that's the only way you vibe. It's the only way you're going to vibe with someone or connect with someone. So I think what Paul is saying is what we operate on a daily level all the time. Like we get that. Oh, in order to know God, I have to have the spirit of God and I don't have the spirit of God. Okay, that's what Paul is saying here. All right, last, last little thing on this point. Um, it, and it's really a question, and it's not really even a point, but I put it here is, uh, well, let me, let me back up. So to sum up, um, I w- here's the correlation is you have to have the Spirit of God who knows God um, to understand God. You have to have the Spirit of God who knows God to understand God. Okay, last question here is do you really want this? Do you really want a human process to be able to figure out God? Do you really want that? I, I, would, I would submit to you, no, 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 no. Uh, that, that's not a God you can actually worship and is greater than you. It would be much more fun to just worship yourself. So I would submit to you is that we, we don't want a human process to be able to figure out God. Otherwise, it's not a God worth worshiping. Okay. Second point, true spirituality in a modern city. Okay, what does that look like? So Paul has made this brash, bold claim. He's like, look, no one meets God unless you have God's spirit. No one meets God unless you have the spirit of God to help you understand God. No one does. No one meets God unless you have the spirit of God. That's a bold, brash claim. So what does it look like in a modern city? Is How, do, how can you evaluate spirituality? Can you eva- evaluate spirituality? So he has three things. I'm not going to belabor, and I'm not going to unpack completely, but I think it's worthy to look at. Um, th- this is how you know when someone has gotten true spirituality. You can know. I can know, you can know. You can know how someone has gotten true spirituality and not just mindfulness and hookups and beautiful vistas and music. Like this is how you can know. Number one, they understand the words of God. Okay, Um, Paul says this in verse 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths, to those who are spiritual. All right, so you know someone understands it when the word of God becomes the words of God to them, right? Uh, This has happened to me more than once, but I'm thinking of a couple. Um, They came up to me after like a worship service and they said, hey, look, we've been been hanging around for around eight weeks and uh, we didn't understand anything that was coming out of your mouth the first week. Like, we just didn't get it. But it was interesting, and sometimes you were funny, and we don't know why you cried. Um, that doesn't sound like me. Stop laughing. Um, but they thought it was strange but interesting. and But this is, this is, this is incredible. They said, but we think we believe it. Uh, what do we do now? <laughs> Well, well, first off, whoa, sorry for, but a fact, whoa, whoa, that's spirituality. Like an adult, yesterday I didn't believe this nonsense. Today, I believe it. That's road on the Damascus stuff. Like, whoa, what? How how does that happen to a rational human being that we don't lock up? What? Whoa. All right, so you know when they understand. You know someone is truly spirit when they understand the words of God. All right, how else do you know someone's truly spiritual according to Paul? Um, Here's the second one. Jesus becomes beautiful to them. Jesus becomes beautiful to them. And, and this is a question that I ask people or I ask up and against religion or spirituality is, what do you do with Jesus? I hear you. It sounds noble. It sounds kind. It sounds compassionate. But what do you do with Jesus? Uh, Paul says this, for, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And this kind of covers last week for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So um, in chapter one, we looked at why the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, right, is considered dumb and stupid and idiotic and grotesque to the world. We talked about that last week. And the reason is this, is if if you compare the the cross to human achievement, intelligence, sophistication, cool inventions, cool patents, what? We're like, if we compare those two, you're like, cross, sorry, again, a fact. I'll try to do the levels. Or if you this: if you compare the cross to conscientious, kind, quiet, religious behavior that is totally appropriate and not graphic in any way and doesn't scare the children, and if you have a, a, you know a cross that is clean what? No, 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 no. If you compare the cross to very clean, respectable religion We don't like the cross either. So the cross loses its folly. And so when you know, this is true spirituality. You know someone has met God in the spirit of Jesus. You you will know this. When guess what? Jesus isn't just like a great moral example and a super cool sage and just one of like a really a chill philosopher and really nonviolent pacifist that we should just copy. Like he, he ceases being that. And suddenly he becomes, this, this man is my dying king, who is my substitute before a holy God. And people find Jesus beautiful. And so, so not only do they, um, uh, what was the first point? (laughs) Yeah. Jesus becomes beautiful to them. Not only do they understand the words of God, but Jesus becomes beautiful to them. All right. Now we talked about this last week. You know, that cross, because it's so low, because it's so despicable, you know it means they can go places that human achievement and uh, religiousness can't go. It means that all the riffraff who thought they were um, set aside and dismissed are magnets to that cross. All right, so um, third point by Paul is this. This is how you can tell sp- true spirituality is their spirituality won't be attached to public opinion. He says this, um, verse verse 15. It, it sounds really difficult, but... I'll explain it. Um, uh, Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. Oh, I knew it. Christians are so judgy. Um, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Okay, you get this. You get this. I get this. All right, Um, living in a smart, creative, urbane cosmopolitan, sophisticated, Atlantic reading, music, theater going, city bursting with innovation and hipness and all kinds of cool expressions of awesome. Sometimes, uh, we can be like, and I I mean we, the royal we, as in like people who follow Jesus, we can be like, oh yeah, I, uh, I go to, um, I go to this, uh, Church thing, um, what's it called? Uh, it's sort of a uh, well, it's it's a church of the San Gabriel Valley, but I, it's it's called the Way. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, it's <clears throat> the Way. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I know it sounds like a cult, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, and and I mean, I'm a, a sort of Christian stuff, and you know, like whatever. But all right. Um, Some of your confidence and some of my confidence of what we believe is based on the opinion of others and popular sentiment. Will I seem like an idiot? Will I seem like a tool? Well, I seem like this outdated fuddy-duddy who's just like against all fun. And this is it, is when we appeal to democratic opinion for our spirituality, trust me, the spirituality will always change. It will always change. Um, It'll become the Jesus without the cross, the Jesus without the resurrection, the Jesus who is just there to give you some really cool advice. And Paul says this, no, a spiritual person is not confirmed by other people's opinion. No one. It's confirmed by the spirit and the words of God himself. That's how you know. It's like I am more convinced about what God's word tells me than what my neighbor thinks about me your neighbor will say, sometimes your neighbor will say, hey, you got to just do more. You got to do more. You got to do this to be a good person. You got to, you got to keep working at it. You got to try harder And you know what? And you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to be more convinced with what I said in my confession of sins. I'm going to be more convinced that my father in Jesus says, I am well pleased with you. That's true spirituality. All right. So third point, you're going to love the third point. It is the shortest third point of all time. And you're like, "Oh, I'll be the judge of that." <laughs> what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Whoa. Only sheer grace made you spiritual. You didn't figure it out. Secondarily. Whoa. Only grace will make someone you care about deeply a spiritual person. Only grace will do that. Only God's Spirit does that. Thirdly. wouldn't that make you appeal to the Spirit of God in prayer? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? That's a spiritual person. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, Jesus in your Spirit, make us truly spiritual in this great city so that your name isn't just known, although it is, but true spirituality in all its vibrant healing happens because of your people following you and following your spirit every single day. Jesus, do this, we pray. Amen.